On the other hand, I have a white hair that grows straight out from my hip. Oh, wow. Yeah, what? it's about this long now. Shut up. That was there before cancer, though. And then yeah. it fell out, and now it's back. <laughs> and uh, I should really pull it out, but I don't. So that's that. I'm very intrigued by it. It's a single <laughs> white scraggly hair, <sighs> like from my hip. Like we're kind of where the, almost like a right above the joint on huh. the side here. What is that? What is it? You know what I mean? So hair great, is though. so weird. It's good hair. Know. Good hair. It's good know. hair. Welcome to Breast Cancer is Boring, a podcast about breast cancer with Jocelyn and Lauren. Whether you have breast cancer or any other kind of cancer or you're just a weirdo who's super <laughs> cancer curious, welcome. We hope you enjoy because breast cancer is boring, but we and you are interesting. I love it. Welcome to Breast Cancer is Boring. Welcome. Um, a few announcements before we begin our episode today. Today is part two in a three-part series in which we're exploring the, um, I believe we branded it the trifecta last trifecta. episode. That is um, right. Of gender expectations on women that are at once trivial and also literally all there is in life. Um, completely unfair. But that is, of course, Good Skin, which was our first episode in the series. Um, so check that one out if you haven't already. And leave a five-star review if you don't hate it. Second announcement. It's still a pandemic. That's always fun. Um, if you're like me and you're that person who has been treating chin maskne for the past 12 months because you're so committed to keeping others safe, I'm there with you. Yeah. If you miss the sensual feeling of a stranger taking a straight blade to your face and shaving off all your peach fuzz and that outer layer of skin until you're just burning and pink, pink like the inside of a watermelon. Um, I'm with you because I miss that too. I miss sitting at a restaurant and watching like what other people are ordering and then terrorizing the waiter with like, well, what's that? Yes. What is she eating? I like what he's having. Can I have what's like half of that, but also what's on that plate? And it's awful, but I'm a good tipper, so. I do the same thing. I'm always looking at other people's plates like, what is that right, right there? Can you find it on the menu? What yeah. is that? Yeah. Because it's and then you, like, And then you bring the waiter in a little bit. You're like, hey, hey, what is that over there? That, uh, <laughs> that smells good. Like, what is that? Yeah. Yeah. And they're like, oh, okay, you're one of those. Great. I'm just saying, put pictures on the menu. I don't mm. think it's tacky. I like that. I like pictures on the menu. Yeah. I know what I'm getting. I know what it's going to look like. And I'm like, oh, that's what that word means. Cause right, because I'm not a restaurateur. I am not. I am mm. not at all. Anyway, wear a mask, stand the hell back from each other, and uh, sign up to get the vaccine as soon as possible. Introductions. Let's get to it. Today we're talking about good hair which is Good number two hair. in the trifecta. Good oh hair. God. And to talk about this, we have a very special guest, certified hair loss practitioner, founder and advocate of the chemotherapy cold cappers and future masters of public health, I believe is NPH. Yes. And yes. trichologist, right. which you're going to have to explain a little bit to me. Becca Jean is here. <laughs> yes. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Glad to be here. We're very excited to have you. Okay, have tell us a little bit. 
You have goosebumps. Oh, I'm so excited. (laughs) Okay, people, I just need to put it out there that, yes, podcast is an audio medium and it's doing no favors to the head of hair that has been presented to us (laughs) by Becca Jean, who clearly is doing something right. I don't know. Anyway, welcome. Tell us a little bit about yourself. Yeah. So, I mean, where to start? Um, originally from <laughs> El Paso, Texas. I've uh, wow. been here in Austin for 10 years now. I love it here. Don't ever want to leave. Um, to the cancer stuff. Diagnosed with breast cancer in 2017. Pretty dumb. <laughs> um, <laughs> as a young adult, you're kind of like, why? This is no. Um, but yeah, diagnosed at 29 years old. It was pretty terrible. Um, and I used cold capping to save my hair, which a lot of people hated at the time and didn't give me the support that I wanted. So I was pretty mad about it. And then that kind of taught me to be an advocate and speak up for myself because I was very, I don't know how to say it. Like, I wouldn't say I wouldn't stand up for myself in a lot of situations I did. Um, but when it came to like health, I was like, oh, you guys are doctors. You know everything. No, they don't. Oh, that's such <laughs> a sweet, sweet way to. <laughs> so, you know. Aww. Part of me loves that, like, unconditional trust. And then part of me is horrified and terrified for that version of you that thought that. Yeah, and there's so many like that, and so mm-hmm. now I'm like, hmm, let's let's let them know. I mean, not all doctors are awful, but there are some that are just like, listen to what I say, and that's the end of it. And yeah. no, <laughs> no, ask questions, speak your mind, um, do what you want to do. So that was kind of the birth of advocacy for me. That was really great because. Um, yeah, I don't I don't really think I ever challenged authority until that time. And that, that mm-hmm. had a lot to do with like growing up, you know, in the culture that I did. But oh my gosh, you know, like when you're you get that diagnosis and you're just like scared and then you're listening to these people and you're like, okay, do what they say because they know. Yes. But you know, they don't always know. So they don't always know. You know the thing that scares me the most is someone once told me because I grew up with my family, we didn't go to the doctor like we were, but it wasn't like we were suspicious of them. It was just, we felt that I think my mother thought that everything could be cured with fresh vegetables and sunshine. So, um, yeah. which I don't recommend as a cancer treatment right. just baseline. It's mm. usually not, you know, the statistics are pretty bad. Uh, but anyway, I was startled in my nursing career. The first time I had a physician who was like really wrong about something and it, surprised me because I guess I had this latent idea that you just described like doctors know everything all doctors are like on the same level of expertise and one of the more seasoned nurses turned to me and she goes you know you know what they call a doctor who uh got all C's in medical school and I'm like no what she goes doctor yeah I was like (laughs) oh shit you can be bad at your job when <laughs> right? you're a doctor. Yep. That's terrifying. It is. That's terrifying. Um, okay. Well, we're going to get into that. And also, I do not want to forget about the story you told me about when a nurse's, like, nurses laughed at you. Oh, yeah. What? That, yeah. 
Oh, this is. Do we jump into that now, or are we getting to it? Or I mean, let's not wait. I want to hear about this because that bothered me. So yeah, so getting right to it, um, you know, diagnosed um, 29. I didn't have doctors. You know, it's same kind of thing. You grow up like I didn't go to the doctor unless I was like bleeding from someplace, needed stitches, something was falling off. Like no, you Mm -hmm. just didn't go. You dealt with it. Took some ibuprofen and called it a day. Um, but so when I lived here in Austin, I mean, I would go to like a clinic if I had maybe like a sinus infection, maybe I thought I had the flu, the cold that's, you know, when you go, so I didn't have a team of doctors. So I had an OBGYN and first off with her, (laughs) I go in because I had discovered the lump in my breast like months before did the whole thing where I was like, I don't want to visit this right now. It's the beginning Mm -hmm. of summer. Let's go have some fun at the lake. Let's travel. Let's like, I think I know what this is, but don't want to deal with it. So I made an appointment to see her. And when I saw her, she does a breast exam and very confidently says, oh, sweetie, this is a cyst. You're fine. And I was like, cool. Well, still kind of want to know what it is, though, because it's kind of big and I'm tired all the time. I feel kind of crappy and gave her like my extensive family history of cancer. Um lost both both my maternal uh, grandmother and aunt from breast cancer. So I was like, we need to check this out. So she requested the mammogram. We did all that, got the diagnosis. And then when I go in for my chemo teach, this lovely lady um, was sitting with me and she was sitting maybe a foot away from me (laughs) right here and like spewing off like, you have to get a port and this is your chemo and it's this and it's that and you're going to puke every day and you're going to have this and blah, blah, blah. Like, hundred miles an hour. And I was like, Whoa, my eyes are rolling back in my head. Like, can you slow down? And finally we're getting to the hair loss part. Like these are the drugs you're going to have, um, these four TCHP and you're going to have hair loss. And I was like, Oh, well, I kind of heard something about, you can save it. I don't really know what it's, what it's called or what is it? And she laughs at me. She even puts her hand on my on my lap, and she's like, "Oh, honey, oh, no. those are called cold caps. They don't work." And I was like, oh, "Well, I still want to know what they're like. Like, what is it?" And she's like, "Oh, I have someone in the diffusion center right now that tried it. They didn't work. Um, I'll introduce you to her." And I was like, "No, <laughs> I actually want <laughs> I want to know about them and if they do work and if they didn't work for her. Um, maybe there's a reason. I don't know, but like." still kind of want to try them it's not really your decision and at that point I was like no and I felt so terrible because it was just her that I had a problem with but I was supposed to meet with like my genetic counselor after that meeting and I was Mm -hmm. like done done started crying I was like get everyone out of my face I don't want to meet you I don't good for you you. and there was this wonderful nurse navigator um came in and she was like trying to calm me down very like personable like great woman um, I still remember her to this day and she tried to call me down because I even straight up told my husband in the room and I was like, I'm not doing chemo. I'm letting this run it course. And he was like, <laughs> and he was like, what? Are, he knows I was very emotional and like, wow. okay. But I told him, I was like, oh no, I'm like going to let this do its thing. Cause I just don't. And I don't even think it was about me losing my hair at the time. I think I was just so pissed at her and her reaction. Mm. And I'm like, how are you going to greet me when I'm like this scared child I felt like a child in this setting at the time but I'm like Mm -hmm. how do you tell me all these awful negative things when I'm like I have cancer lady like I'm sitting in front of you trembling crying and you're just like laughing like this is like oh shut up like stop worrying about your hair you have bigger problems um 
So that was when I kind of said that was the last time I was in that cancer center is here in Austin. And after I had that experience with her, I was like, if I ever have to deal with her again, it's not going to be good. So I started doing research to do scalp cooling somewhere else. And there was a place in San Antonio. So then at that point, I did, made the decision to travel all the way to San Antonio Whoa. Um, just to get cold capping because I was like that determined. Wow. 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 I'm floored. Jocelyn's speechless, <laughs> which is uncommon. Which does not happen. Um. Oh my god! I remember because my diagnosis was also in 2017. I say that real slow. Like, was it? It just seems. Was it? Yeah. <laughs> uh, um. But and I also remember cold capping. Like it was sort of a new-ish thing around then. Yeah, and definitely. I, and I remember I actually asked my onk about it too. And um I know that it was something that they didn't have at the time, like access to. Right. But, um, but good for you for like being like, Well, I'm gonna seek it out. I that's awesome. Yeah, because awesome. I mean it's 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 wild to think. I mean, 2017 doesn't seem that long ago. I mean, no. now they actually have systems in the centers here in Austin. Um, mm. But at the time, so even kind of when I mentioned it, it was one of those things where, so there's two different types. There's a manual and a machine type. Well, none of the centers in Austin had a machine. Mm -hmm. So I said, oh, you know, like I'm interested in doing like the manual link. And they made it seem like, oh, no, you're going to cause a scene. You're going to be a nuisance to everybody. Like everyone in treatment wants to just rest and you're going to have all these things going on. And I was like, just put me behind a curtain, maybe a separate room. I'll go like earliest that you want me to. Like I will do whatever I have to do to just kind of be on my own and not give you any trouble. And they were like, no, you're going to be a problem for every patient in the room. And I'm like, not throwing a party in the infusion center. Like I'm going to have one person. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, no, they're great, but you know, <laughs> they were just like, you're going to be a huge problem if you're trying to do this thing. And it was, it was awful. So I had to even delay my treatment because, you know, getting a new provider, you have to do the whole medical record transfer, all mm -hmm. of that thing. So going to San Antonio, not only did I add an hour and a half or close to two hour commute, but I had to get my records transferred. And I think it ended up like I got diagnosed in August and I didn't start treatment until October. Whoa. Wow. Yeah. And that's a long time to wait to like, mm -hmm. oh, I hate that for you. I'm so sorry. But this, that is awful. And this sounds so familiar because I was diagnosed in August of 2018. And I remember because my sister is a stylist. She does my hair and has done my hair since we were like, since I was like 15. So she would have been 13. And she yeah. was like, cold capping. You, ha I, you have to do cold capping. I've Googled it. There's like, it's, you can keep your hair and, and no one will know. And so I was like, okay, I'll ask about it. And I asked my oncologist about it. And I asked one of the nurses in the infusion center about it. And they were kind about it. And like what I would describe as diplomatic but the message, the very clear message that I got was, hmm, you know, it's not very successful. It's, uh, it can be painful. It can be disruptive to, you know, and like, and it was very much nothing like 
that I can isolate about what they said seemed wrong. Like in your situation, Becca, I feel like that was really wrong the entire presentation. Yeah. But even when it's not, even when it's professional, I feel like the pervading message is, is this something you really want to deal with? You have cancer. It's just hair. Yeah. Yeah. It's just hair. Yeah. And that is because there are two types of people in this world. (laughs) People who think it's just hair. And then people whose banner is hair is everything. Right. Right. Because it is. <laughs> it just is. Hair is everything. I'm not making this up. Mm-hmm. Have you guys watched Fleabag? No. I need I to know. Oh, you guys, it's a pandemic. <laughs> Watch more TV. You guys are probably working and working out and <laughs> doing all kinds of stuff, but commit to some TV watching. Okay. And if you have Amazon, watch Fleabag. Phoebe okay. Waller-Bridge is the writer, and she stars in Fleabag. And watching that show, I think this was from season two, but I was watching that show. Um, I watched it because the the like thumbnail on it was just a woman with shorter hair crying like dirty crying mascara down her face that's what it was and I was like I was deep into chemo when it was season one and I was Mm -hmm. like that's a show for me so I watched season one and then as my hair is returning I watch season two and I stumble across this line that Phoebe Waller-Bridge's character whose name is literally Fleabag she's referred to as Fleabag in the script this is what she says hair is everything we wish it wasn't so we could actually think about something else occasionally but it is. It's the difference between a good day and a bad day. We're meant to think that it's a symbol of power, that it's a symbol of fertility. Hair is everything, Antony. <laughs> Great. I love it. And I was like, oh my God, because mm-hmm. I felt so guilty in a way that I was focusing and obsessing over my hair growing yeah. back. How is it going to grow back? Yes, it needs to go mm-hmm. faster. Why d- is it coming back this texture now and then it's going to change? Like, yeah. It, you just think about it so, so much. And it's, we're meant to think that it's all vanity, but it's not all vanity. And we're going to get into all of that, but just to kind of lay the groundwork for it, there's not a lot of research articles out there about the effect of having hair versus not having hair for a woman, (laughs) even in light of of a cancer diagnosis. However, numerous like business outlets report on this concept that the attractiveness of a person makes them uh, predisposed to make more money in any field. And, and they get promoted into positions that they're less like conventionally attractive. I'm using air quotes, peers. Like there are stories in U.S. News and World Report, Business Insider, Forbes, Harvard Business Review. Like that's just to name a few. That's outside of all the articles in like Vogue, Cosmo, Marie Claire about how, you know, how to get your work makeup just right and how, you know, how to present yourself at work, basically. What's too much makeup? What's not enough makeup? Like the messaging is pervasive. And then you get cancer as a woman and people think that suddenly you stop becoming a woman who worries about the way they look. Right. 
or you suddenly think, oh, well, that doesn't matter anymore. I have cancer. Surely people will kind of just give that to me, you know? And it's not true. It's not true. So, yeah. and and you were saying, Becca, that it's it's not just a beauty issue. Yeah, like it's it's frustrating to me. I remember um, when kind of collecting people, because again, when I was cold capping, I had that one bad experience and nobody wanted anything to do with me. So then finally, when I got to San Antonio and I'm capping myself, I'm like, well, shit, I don't know what I'm doing. Nobody else knows what I'm doing. Like the nurse, he was so great, but he was like trying to help me like put fit the system on. And he mm-hmm. was like, I'm going to be honest with you. He's like, you're the second patient I've ever done this on. And I was like, all right, wow. we're going to learn together. <laughs> and, you know, no big deal. It's not like I'm just, you know, spending $500 per session on this thing. So if it doesn't work, oh my you God. know. <laughs> and so anyway, we're like learning together. And I was like, no, this sucks. And then you're Googling stuff and you're finding message boards that are super dated. And mm. it's not real time communication. So I'm just like, no. So I started like, going through all the message boards, joining all the Facebook groups. And anytime I was in some kind of beauty or not even beauty breast cancer group on Facebook, I would say, Hey, anyone doing cold capping? No. Why would you waste your money on that? Exactly. What? Exactly. This is, like, these are women. Why would they <laughs> these are other that? women. Why yes. would they say that? It's why? just, you know, and they're like, you know, instead of, instead of investing my money in that, I took a vacation. I was like, well, that's great. That's cool. Um, I, I, I hope to take a vacation later as well. But right now, <laughs> I'm trying to save my hair just because, like, this is an identity thing. Like, I, I mean, my hair, I've, I've had it long, short, colored, red, purple, blonde, whatever. Like, this mm. is just my fun thing. This is my art thing. Like, I just, and, you know, when all cancer you know brings all kinds of chaos you just want to have something that you can hold on to that's like no like cancer you've taken enough like at the time I had just quit my job I didn't know I was diagnosed at the time that I put in my notice oh wow (laughs) so that happened too um but I you know I was like I'm not working I feel terrible all the time like I just want to like wake up and be like cool like this is me I'm looking at myself right now Um, aside from identity, I mean, it helps you regulate your body temperature. It helps like with UV exposure. Like it's just, I, it would drive me crazy because when I'm posting these things in these forums and they're like, you know, you have cancer right now, why are you concerned with what you look like? I'm like, cause it's not just about that, you know, it's much more than just, you know, it's not a beauty thing. It's an identity thing. And it was infuriating me because I was like, you know, other women in this position also have cancer. I would want them to be more understanding. It's not about like, oh, you chose this over that and you're wrong. Mm -hmm, Like it was just like, I need Mm -hmm. to assemble a team of support. And they were just like, oh no, I didn't do it. So it's wrong. I'm so shocked because I feel like this sort of has a similar vibe to whether you go for reconstruction or decide to be flat. Mm, Yeah. And I would support Either way, like, I'm not going to look at a woman who decides not to have reconstruction and be like, oh, what are you thinking? Like, what's wrong with you? Or the the other way around. I don't want some woman to look at me and like, well, those are not breasts. Like, I don't know why you're putting those weird things in you. You know, like, 
you should be comfortable with having no breasts. That's like being comfortable with having no hair. You know, Mm -hmm. it's as a woman and, and I think each individual should be able to make that choice and also have the right and be supported in whatever choice they make. It seems so ridiculous. It seems ridiculous, but I think for me, I make a connection. The pink washing of, of breast cancer, this is the downstream effect of that, mm-hmm. is that we, the archetype for the woman going through breast cancer is a 40-something woman who is bald and has two breasts. Mm-hmm. And that, you you present that to the public at large as like, this is what this is. And so anything you you do that's counter to that Anything you choose that's that doesn't like isn't consistent with that, whether you choose not to reconstruct one breast so you're asymmetrical or you go flat or you choose to keep your hair and you're you had just finished chemo and you have a long head of hair. It runs counter to what people have been like spoon fed, like the expectations people have of how you're supposed to present yourself as a cancer patient to them. Right. Because that's what they're most comfortable with. And so you chose to care about something that we all care about. And I think some of the the sharp criticism that, and it sounds a little bit like vitriol that you received, is because maybe there's some regret mingled in there for them, you know, that that, that this wasn't something offered to them or that they pursued. I mean... A part of me, a weird part of me, when I got cancer and and I was debating whether or not to do cold capping, part of me, I knew I would not, I didn't think I'd be able to cope with the hope of it, like the hope that I would uh, be able to keep my hair yeah. and then I would lose it. And I know that a lot of women say that it's an element of control to be able to like buzz their hair off knowing that they're going to lose it. Great. That's fine too. But mm. I think the other part of it, was I was like, I'm, I wanted to belong. I was like, I'm going to have cancer and everybody's going to fucking know it. <laughs> Walking down the street and be like, yeah, I got cancer. You can tell because, you know, I got the, my head wrapped. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yep. Hey, cancer. See it? And that <laughs> bit me in the ass more often than not because I don't know what happens in the transition when you get like midway through chemo, but you stop wanting anyone to know about it. It's not, it, it's like it ceases to be something you need because you think you're going to get some kind of support or something. And like, don't get me wrong. Strangers can be great. They can let you skip in line. I got buco samples from the Lemaire ladies at Nimi's. Like, <laughs> thank you, ladies. You're wonderful. And like, you know, you get that. But after a while, it becomes patronizing and you start to realize that people are treating you differently and not in a good way. Yeah. And I especially, I don't think I was prepared for the way that being an obvious cancer patient affected my job yeah, and my career. And that's a very real thing for women. And that really sucks. Right. And I wonder now how different it would look if I were able to kind of keep that, I think, privacy, that element of privacy. You know, I have to say that it, um, 
I didn't have that same feeling as far as my job went because right when I was um started to go through chemo, I was actually up for a promotion. And I had You were always getting promoted, Lauren. I am not overachiever. If you weren't such <laughs> no. a good friend, I would hate you. <laughs> but I have to say that um I'm also a you know, Becca, just like what you were saying, you just started standing up for yourself and just saying, just letting it come out. Um, I did too. I talked to my boss at that time and I was like, uh, now that I have cancer, am I still up for promotion? Like I just put it out there because yeah. if I didn't, then I was like, I mean, if they tell me no, then that's a much bigger problem they have. Um, right. <laughs> Because then I'd have to admit that I, you know, I'm calling them out. So um, I did end up still getting promoted um, regardless of of my um, treatment or not. But um, and I didn't walk around ball headed because um, my kids were not okay with my bald head. Oh, no. My oldest son. um. He had a hard time with it, a really hard time with it. So um, I always wore a wrap around my head, and he also did not like my wig. (laughs) So I was like, okay, Okay. well, he's getting very specific with mommy. I know. And, you know, honestly, just to like help him cope with all the changes I was going through. I just literally did whatever I could to make him feel more comfortable, which sounds a little weird, but at the same time, I guess if you have kids and you're going through cancer, I think that maybe those moms that have experienced the same kind of feel me on that. Like I'm not protecting him from what I was going through, but I was trying to help him cope because I was still having to go pick him up from school every day. And now it's mommy who is, like bald as hail and you know I mean I was definitely visibly different and um and even I had a little girl I'll never forget in his class I was leaning down to help him with his backpack or something and she walks up and she goes what's that weird thing on your head because <laughs> kids have no filter <laughs> yeah right definitely. you know so that was a thing so I yeah, it was, that's definitely, that's a whole nother experience. But, um, Becca, I have some really, oh God, I have so many questions, but I, you know, you were saying how you were putting the contraption on and you're having this nurse help you. So they get this system, this machine, um, from the company and they have one person that once that center gets the machine, will train that one person and say, okay, you're on your own now. And so it's oh. up to that one nurse to get it down because I even had to schedule my chemos around when the person, the person, because I eventually another person got trained to do the system, but I had to do it around just their schedules because they were the only ones kind of certified to use the, the device. Wow. Um, so I remember that my very first cycle, I, you know, we didn't really know what we we're doing. So the cap slid back the first cycle, um, you know, first chemo, you come with your big giant, like, overnight bag with all your mm-hmm. things and the puzzles yes. you don't do and the blankets and the candy and whatever 
And so I bring that and um, anytime you had to like run to the restroom, they had to unhook the device and get you all squared away. And so the cap ended up sliding back at some point. And so when my cap was not touching about maybe an inch and a half at my hairline in the front, um, I lost all that hair because it slid back and I didn't know. And when they took it off the entire time of my treatment, it wasn't making contact with my scalp. So, um, you know, it was a lesson learned. Like I will still always to this day, really like, I, I mean, I encourage cold caps for those that want it, but you know, it's not great success. Like I, I think I lost about 60% of my hair, but I'm not like, Oh, those things are terrible. They don't work. Like I realized my cap slid back the first time. And then after each time after that, we really were focusing on like getting it down. So when I lost the inch and a half, I was like, okay, we're cutting bangs. So I cut bangs Yeah, um, and it covered it. So it worked out. I mean, I did a lot of weird like hair hacks to get me through all the different stages because mm. I mean, like you guys mentioned, like you do have to prepare yourself. It could be a total loss. There are people that cold cap and lose 90% of their hair and it's <sighs> not their fault it you know regimens are different the system that you use all of that determines kind of the efficacy of of the cold capping um there's so much that goes into it and um I shed a lot it was heartbreaking because I would wake up and I would see clumps of hair on my pillow and I was like great like how much more am I gonna lose I mean Mm -hmm. I stuck it through but it is it is heartbreaking like you said because you have to prepare yourself I mean you're gonna have some hair loss some is more than others but you know it happens Wow. So you said you lost 60% of your hair. Mm -hmm. How do you like, okay, I'm trying to conceptualize this, right? Mm -hmm. So I'm a working woman and I'm getting cancer treatment and I'm going to do cold cap. And you already said like you lost, you kind of, your hairline went back, I guess, right? Right. Like Mm -hmm. olden days, Queen Elizabeth, the first hairline. You ever seen those movies? Her hairline's like way back here. <laughs> Very royal of you. Um, okay, so you cut bangs yeah. to deal with that. What was the 60% hair loss? Like, what is that like? Is it all over, like uniform? I think I saw a picture that I was looking at on your Instagram where it was almost like um, the back of your head is what kind of got lost. Like, what is that like? How do, you, how do you like manage that and then go out into the world? with only 40% of your hair? Yeah. So I, I mean, again, since I wasn't working, I spent a lot of time at home and I had such horrible reactions to my chemo, like hospitalized almost like the first three, um, for like up to seven days. So that was like another element of that, because when I was hospitalized, I was like in hospital bed, getting all kinds of knots in the back of my head. So all that hair loss was from like knots, Uh and then the cap wasn't really making contact so it wasn't until after we even bought like yoga straps to really like strap them on I mean I looked like something out of like (laughs) I don't I look like I was in some kind of weird like torture chair because I had all kinds of straps to like hook me to the chair so I could have it really like hang on to my head um and we learned that after but I learned all I mean all of that hair at the back of my neck or my the nape of my neck fell out and so I had, you know, the bangs and then it was just really thin. So it kind of, I was doing a really good job of hiding it. I didn't go out mm. often. It was like pandemic. I felt like I had 
preparation for this pandemic because I didn't go anywhere, you know? Same. (laughs) Same. Because I was afraid of, I couldn't eat at restaurants. You you don't want to go anywhere because germs are everywhere. You have no immune system. Exactly. (laughs) Yeah. Some people have never had to live like it's a pandemic. Exactly. And um, when this hit, I just kind of was like, you know, had I not gone through that experience, I think I would have been a lot more like, oh my gosh, this is terrible. But I'm like, I just did this a couple years ago. Like, let's, you know, we're just doing it again. Yeah. (laughs) Here we are again. (laughs) Um, But, you know, I was able to hide it. At one point, I had even wanted to do one of those cool, like, um, I don't even know what you call it, the nape of your neck, but they do those cool, like, designs in your head, like the barber. And I reached out to this female barber in Austin because she's, like, a total badass. But she was freaked out. She was like, ah, you're kind of going through cancer and I'm afraid to touch you. And what? I was like, I was like, I respect it. You know, I get it. But also I was like bummed because I'm like, I was trying to make light of what I had to work with at the time. You know, mm-hmm. it was just this weird hair episode. I had like a baby's head going down at the bottom of my hair, but the top was kind of normal. Um I used something called Topic to fill in bald spots, which worked really great. They're hair fibers. Um, wow, so what is that? It is like a little powdery substance and you just kind of shake it on. And so if you have like thinning, it works great because it builds out your hair and it doesn't look <sighs> as thin. So I had bangs. I used topic. Um, okay. I learned about something called the halo extension. I don't know if y'all have heard those, but I hadn't heard about it until I lost the hair. And it's this little, um, piece of it hair extension on like a, looks like a fish line. Yeah, and I was yes. able to put that. Yeah, so all the hair I was missing in the bottom, I covered it with a halo extension. So I learned I like, all things hair during chemo. <laughs> yeah, I feel like I've seen that on like social media where someone like it's almost yeah, it's like a hair extension, but also like to make your hair look thicker. Yeah, and fuller, mm-hmm. right? Yep. Yeah, yep, exactly. I mean, I love these advances in science and I technology that, with hair. Yeah, and I love that women have so many options. Yeah. with that mm-hmm. you know like mm-hmm. thank goodness for that mm-hmm. and you could put highlights in if you want you know when you don't even have to have highlights just put them in there just exactly. clip them in take them out <laughs> Aha. Mm-hmm. men hate this by the way yeah. they hate it That's they, they, they hate the hair extensions they hate the fake eyelashes they hate I think they feel as though they're being tricked somehow. Like as though (laughs) we owe them some level of like uh, realness, but not for real because we're still expected to wear makeup. So we have to make it look natural, um, but not too natural. Like, you know, anyway, that's a different episode. Just thought I'd throw (laughs) that in there. Um, A quick BSA breast service announcement beauty shaming can we not (laughs) maybe (laughs) understand the impacts that your words have on other women in particular women going through a trauma women who are marginalized by society for the way that they look meaning that they don't have the same conventional beauty look that whatever the cultural norms of the day are. Remember that in the Renaissance period, being what we would qualify today as overweight with nice 
deposits of adipose tissue around the belly and hips and ass and thighs and relatively small titties was very, very popular. And now the archetype of breast cancer is the bald, middle-aged woman with a pop of lip color and 32D breasts. And I'm sorry, but that is not how every woman chooses to live her life with breast cancer. Some women choose to go flat. Some women don't choose to do reconstruction on one side or the other. Some women do choose reconstruction and they have big old round titties. They have low set titties. They have natural looking titties and very full, air quotes, unnatural boobs. And you know what? It's all fine. Some women choose to cold cap and keep their hair if they can. And some women choose to go bald. Just because a choice is being made by another woman that you would not make for yourself does not make that choice wrong. This is an important message to understand regardless of what the choice is. A woman making informed choices about what to do with her own body will always be the right decision, whether or not it matches what you would choose for that same body, because guess what? It doesn't matter what you would choose. Only what the person chooses to do to their own body. This is true for women. This is true for men. This is true for non-binary individuals. This is true for transgender people. This is true for any human being. And the sooner we understand that, the better. Please tell your legislators. Very important message that they don't seem to be catching on to. Thank you so much. And now back to the show. Before chemo treatment, I did a buzz cut thinking if I buzz my hair before chemo, then I won't feel so, it won't be so awful when it starts falling out because who loves a buzz cut? No one. Every woman, I'm convinced, every woman secretly wants a buzz cut. At least once. At least just, once. It is. Just, they want to go. I, it felt so good having that, like getting ready in the morning. I was like, oh, I don't have to tie my hair back. Oh, I don't, I can wash my hair every day if I want. <laughs> like, right? It takes no time. And then everything I put on just had this level of attitude. And I was like, oh. Oh, man. It's like I'm walking into work and people are like, do not mess with her. She has a buzz cut. Yeah. You know what I mean? You're She's, about to kick their ass. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Which in in no way, shape or form am I physically able to kick people's asses. But I feel like with a buzz cut, mentally, I'll get them. Mm-hmm. So it was actually quite devastating when that started falling out because I thought it was really, really good. And I know we're talking about head hair here. But I did not realize. Can you cold cap your eyebrows? No. Oh God. I oh. would love to. That. Oh, God. I have to draw these suckers on every day. They never came back all the way. Oh, no, I mean, we've talked bad. about our technique. Eyelashes. Yeah. Like, my eye, I've, I've gotten, I've had one thing my whole life. You know, like every woman has like their thing. Yeah. And it, you always find out that thing because they'll you know you'll complain about something about you and people will be like yeah but your eyelashes yeah yeah but your hair you know mm-hmm. yeah but your teeth like and mine I always had like for whatever reason ridiculously long eyelashes and they've never 
fully come back. But man, losing those. Mm-hmm. Oh, I remember when real. I told you it was going to happen too. I felt yep. so bad. You were like, um, and I was like, cause look, I'm halfway through chemo were- and I still have my eyelashes. I'm I so know. lucky. I know. And you were like, mm-hmm. okay. Yeah. Also funny story, but six weeks after chemo ended, all my eyelashes fell out. Not saying it's going to happen to you, but it could. Yeah. I totally remember that. Yeah. It was cause it, I think I was telling you it was like after your last treatment that, yep. that it would happen. And you were a hundred percent correct. Of course. <sighs> At one point, I had three eyelashes on this side <laughs> and four on this side. I knew exactly how many. And I had to, like, coat those suckers. But please don't leave. And even now, like, the hairs are there, but they're not those robust, like, strong Yeah, mine are there. They're yep. wispy. Mm-hmm. Yes. Now, Revitalash goes a long way. Hashtag, you know, not sponsored by Revitalash. But, <laughs> hey, hit a girl up. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we will do your commercials. <laughs> We love you. Um, yeah. But, and now I'm not complaining about this hair that I have now. I'm not complaining about the length. I love this length. But it has taken until very recently to get here. And all my hair fell out. I mean, by the beginning of 2019, mm-hmm. bald head. And like, also my head broke out. Did anybody else have that? The mm-hmm. folliculitis where you had just Mm-mm. sores all over your head? That was that was good times. I know. That's when I met you. You had that. Mm-hmm. It was right. so painful. I know. I oh my so god! For you. And I never had that beautiful bald head again, which is like the hallmark of the woman with breast cancer. Mm-hmm. Is a nice, smooth, shiny head. No, mm-hmm. I had acne all over my head, and then I had like modern day Bruce Willis stubble around the <laughs> perimeter. You did. You did. <laughs> Not Jeez. a good look. So, and I'm just wondering if I would have erupted in sores if I had had a cold cap because my understanding of how that works is it prevents the chemo from reaching very, very locally to your scalp. Right? Yep. My hair has always been really fine, but I always had a lot of it. Mm. I no longer have a lot of it. Um, Now, I've always had naturally curly hair. But it has always been that kind of curly where if I wanted to wear it straight, I could wear it straight. Um, but of course, after chemo, it was like mega curly. Mm. And um, but the length has definitely weighed it down and it's just really fine and thin. And I would love to cut it all off. <laughs> um, Join me. I know. I. <laughs> I've, I've been trying, I told my husband that I would love to cut it. And he was like, no. <laughs> so, um, I might. The, uh, men slash boys in your family. I know. They've got a hair thing. Yeah. Really yes, need to work they through do. That. They really They really do. got a hair thing. So my oldest son, when my hair did like, cause it wasn't until recently that I was able to cut my bangs again, because even my hair, like my hairline took a long time to fill in like Mm. a long time even though my hair was growing back like the density just took forever I get so self-conscious when I have my hair like pulled back like this I feel like in the front it's thin right here like in this like weird like 
and I'll and I'll like get real close up in my magnifying mirror and I'm like <laughs> <laughs> like freaking like light will hit it just right and it'll be like maybe like kind of standing up a little bit and I can see all the way down to my scalp and I'm like that's it there it goes I'm going to lose it again I hate that I know me too I I just yeah um I think okay cuz my oldest son who I feel was probably most impacted by all of this, at least, you know, with his mommy. Um, and he was old enough to see it and understand it. But um, the return of this hair means mommy is healthy again. Uh, that's what those two things equal for him. Yeah. So I think that's a big part of that. I did. I clearly remember asking about cold capping. Um, and I, and I wish I had the opportunity, honestly, why isn't it something that insurance would cover? Oh, let's you know? talk about that. Uh, why not? Well, wait, 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 Becca. First, I want to know your hair before cold capping. Yes. Or, yeah. Yes, before yes, cold yes. capping. And now after cold capping, like what's the comparison? Um, so pretty similar to now it was, it's very thick. I've had thick hair always. Um, what was interesting though, and this is kind of why, I mean, there was a lot of things that led up to the diagnosis, but I noticed the year before I got diagnosed, my hair just stopped growing. And I thought it was super strange because I've always had long, thick Hmm. hair. And so I had hormone positive cancer and I was just like, Hmm, something's off because I just, it just stopped growing. And so I didn't even have to get a haircut for like a year because it wouldn't grow anymore. And I was like, wow. I would tell I was using all the like, you know, the hair growth things that are all over Amazon, whatever, you know, fake yeah. product is going to grow your hair like six inches in a month. I tried everything and it would not grow. And then so after wow. chemo and I preserved it, I had so all the hair loss at the nape of my neck, I got the real wild chemo curls. I mean, like you would pull it and it would bounce back like super tight little curls. And I was like, Aww. this is going to be interesting straight hair on the top, curls on the bottom. Yeah. <laughs> we'll see what that looks like. Um, but then I guess just because of the thickness of my hair, it didn't really hold the curl anymore. Um, so now kind of looks similar to what it was before, but now it's actually growing very quickly. I mean, I had wow. ended treatment 2018 and now even, um, because of all the hair loss, I ended up cutting it to a very short bob length also. And just so it could kind of even out. And then I was using extensions to kind of fill it in. And then here we are. And now this is all my natural hair and it's the same, but, um, it took a while and it was just interesting. I just, I was kind of embracing the curls because I was like, this would be cool if I had some curls, but, um, I was also very worried about the curls on the bottom only, (laughs) not on top. (laughs) Yeah. Because that's a lot of time either way you go, whether you're yeah. trying to match it by curling the top or straightening. Exactly. Back like that. Yeah. So it's straightened out. Yeah. Wow. What like other things, how do you have to fully care for your hair? Because I'm, I'm remembering things like no heat treatment, I think is one of them. Like what mm-hmm. are all the things you have to be aware of, you know, if you're going to do cold capping? Oh gosh. Well, I'll preface this by saying I broke all the rules because okay. 
I couldn't do it. I, you know, some systems tell you, you have to wash your hair with cold water. And I was like, never, oh. like <laughs> I would never take a cold shower on purpose. You know, Torture. I storm 2021. Sure. I'll take a cold shower okay. if I have to, mm-hmm. but if I don't have to, I'm not. And so you're supposed to wash with cold water. Um, once to twice a week maybe if that and there's specific rules per system like it's just so crazy like some you have to wash your hair three days before or three days after or the day before or like all these different rules it depends um you can't use a blow dryer you can't heat any heat like styling tools no blow dryer and I was like I can't do that like if I have to go somewhere it's I mean I, I have to say my hair this takes work. Like I have to blow dry it and curl it and whatever. But like if I air dry it, oh, I look very crazy. <laughs> it's just this puff mess. So I would blow dry it. Um, I would use the little cold blast thing on the blow dryer. But um, you have to do that. What else? Um, some people sleep with like a silk cap on or a mm-hmm. silk pillowcase. The silk pillowcase, though, I will say is great. Even if you're not cold capping, it's good for your hair. I have one and I can attest. It's wonderful. Yeah, it is great. Um, I, I need one. You do need one. <laughs> hey, they're it's great. A Sephora, it's a Sephora sale and Sephora has silk pillowcases. <laughs> All the things. Yes. Um, Hashtag Sephora. Please sponsor us. We'll do your commercials. <laughs> <laughs> um, gosh, what else? What else? Um. During capping, it's a real, it's a crazy system. I mean, again, it varies by system, but you have to even put like a panty liner on the top of your head sometimes, which is like, whoa. whoa wait, wait, <laughs> what? wait, 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 rewind. Yes. What happens to your period that you have to put a <laughs> Wear it on your, head. on your head? No, the idea is wait, that wait, wait. it's I'm kind so of confused. Yeah. Like you have to block the contact so you don't get like frostbite on your head. I mean, you'd think that they would come up with a better system, something specific to cold caps, but no, the the plug or the the hack there is to use panty liners. Um, So you just kind of tape them to your head, which it's thin. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Sorry. Are we talking tape side down? No. Um, you know, no. I didn't I didn't use them myself, but I know that they are used, so it could go either way, I think. But what did you use? I, so I use the machine style and they have this gel cap, but there are some that, you know, it's just so cold, like the manual style cap, um, I will say are a little bit more effective with treatments because they're not FDA regulated. So you can get them as cold as you want to, but that comes with risk because it could burn your scalp. Totally. Right? So, so are the yeah. manual ones, because I believe I saw this at my cancer center. I'm so um, curious. A young woman came in pulling like a cooler with her mm-hmm. and she what? had the cap and it had a bunch of like pockets in it and then you put the cold pack the frozen packs in the pockets is that a manual one is that oh, wow. kind of what I'm thinking yeah yeah you definitely have to come in with your cooler um dry ice and the cap oh. will stay frozen in there and you have to for the manuals you have to change them anywhere from like 15 to 20 25 minutes and so it's very labor intensive you know be. what's exciting about this just as an aside is the more that we get this out there and the more women do cold capping the better the technology is going to get yeah. in like 10 years we will laugh 
at the way the cold cap machines look. Mm -hmm. It's going to look like a computer out of the, like, 70s. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yeah. Like, oh, man, you used to have to drag this cooler, and it Uh would have, like, all these packs in it and dry ice, and, like, you had to put a panty liner on your head to keep it from freezing. Like... (laughs) This is going to sound ridiculous. Yeah. Yeah. This is going to sound yeah. ridiculous. And you what know, you these things have existed for like over 20 years. Like, it's infuriating to me. Really? But I'm like, why oh, is this taking that. so long? Yeah. So, I, you know, they were first created or used in the UK mainly. Um, but this technology has been around for over 20 years. I think it was only approved in the US um, since 2015. Okay. And, you know, not covered by insurance it's just not a thing doctors don't always recommend it's just kind of this like yeah you can hear about it maybe you might not if you do well with it great if you don't whatever it's just I hate it like I'm just I want all patients to be given all the information so that they can make an informed decision reconstruction wise cold cap treatment like give them all the things tell them all the things and let them make the decision like that's what i want you know what's really weird is Hmm. you can purchase a wig to cover your bald head and your insurance will actually pay for either a part or all of that wig Mm -hmm. but they won't help you save your hair what like that's weird what weird is a word for it okay Weird is a word for it, but what I what I see, and I could be making a stretch here, but I just see a fantastic inability to preserve the dignity of women the way that they want it preserved. And this, again, like you said, goes beyond vanity. Like this plays into job security for a lot of women. Yeah. And men as well who get cancer and lose their hair, I'm sure. But it's just there's a lot more out there, it seems like, on women in the workplace and a lot more emphasis on what we need to look like and how our appearance changes the perception of others mm-hmm. before we even open our mouths, before we present any ideas, just on walking in the room. And it's like people are just kind of comfortable to allow women to lose wages to lose out on promotions to lose out on a career trajectory you know not all of us you know some lauren you were i mean you just kind of went up and was like i have cancer so you know considering i'm covered by the ada probably not a good time to not give me that promotion you were talking about um so i mean great but in these studies i was looking at it was just really depressing especially for women, and this will not shock anyone who's paying attention, but women of color and women in lower wage jobs where you don't have sick time to take. And when your employer finds out you have an illness like cancer, um, and we see this with pregnancy, which is not an illness, but no thanks. But anyway, you see this with pregnancy. Employers find out that their workers are pregnant and they get fired. Mm -hmm. You know, and it's the same with cancer. And so not everyone has the research is out there. Like, um, I found just to kind of skim the surface of it, there was a 2020 study in the Journal of Clinical Oncology 
and researchers found that, and this is right out of the research article, but quote, having an accommodating employer was associated with 2.5 times the odds of post-treatment job retention. Wow. Yeah. It also found that only 21% of low-wage workers had paid sick leave during cancer treatment. So meaning they spent unpaid time getting treatment for cancer. Wow. And oh, man. a person going through cancer loses on average about 24 additional days beyond some a worker who is not going through cancer treatment, which seems low to me, but I mean, mm-hmm. that's still substantial. I mean, in considering chemo, surgery, radiation, everything you have to go through, yeah, essentially, all those doctor's appointments. Oh, yeah. Doctor's essentially, your your job retention, your ability to keep your job, which by the way is tied to your health care. So it's mm-hmm. not just lost wages. Now you owe money to get right. life saving care because we don't do that here in this country. It's all dependent on your boss. A single person can make mm-hmm. that determination, and there are no protections. I right. mean, there's the ADA. So I think as of 2010, uh, cancer is covered under the ADA. Um, even a history of cancer, I believe, is covered under the Americans with Disabilities Act. But if you don't have a job that has benefits like FMLA, right? It's it's still not going to be covered, and that is well, that's terrifying. That's terrifying, and then. I was oriented to this idea, this concept called job lock. Have you ever heard of job lock? I haven't. I'd never heard of this before, but it job lock is a term that refers to the idea that people going through cancer are mm-hmm. unable to take promotions or change their jobs. Um, mostly the changing the jobs because they're worried about health insurance coverage and then right. promo- they're, they're passed over for promotion because of the perception that they can't really handle any more work. And the the scary thing is it doesn't just affect them. It affects their spouses. Mm -hmm. So if you're in a two income household, a 2020 study in JAMA oncology found that 32% of cancer survivors reported job lock in either themselves or their spouse or partners. 32%. Wow. That's a big number. Yeah. And anecdotally, (laughs) I've had three different bosses. Is this three? Yeah. I've had three different bosses. Numbers are hard. In the time that I was diagnosed with cancer. That's the job directly above me. Right. I was not approached to do that job. Not once. And, you know, I have pretty good insight into my workability. And I know that I'm a high performer. Both times, a person was hired while I was out after having surgery both times and and they absolutely deserved it these 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 were high performing women also who deserved this but i wasn't even approached to apply oh for a job that i had essentially done while they were searching for the person to take that job and so i finally sat down with my cno and i was like i just want to know why you know is there something i'm not seeing about my own performance and she you admitted just to be me, like me. Is it because I, I have cancer? I mean, good rule of thumb: be mm-hmm. like Lauren, obviously. But just, 
And she admitted to me that there were things she didn't offer me, not necessarily coming out and admitting with that position, but Mm -hmm. that her perception was your career is the last thing on your mind right now. Your hair is the keeping your hair is is the last thing on your mind right now. She made up her mind for you. She made Your up mind her you? mind for me. And she's a great oh. person. And that's the thing. She didn't is do it on purpose. No. Yeah. No. And my husband has a similar story with his boss. Really? That he kind of asked about something. And, and, and she there was a supervisor position that came open. He didn't want it because he's not a, you know, an ambitious, you know, <laughs> soul sucker like I am. Corporate lackey. But like... <laughs> <laughs> you know, he just wants to do the good work. He's a social worker, heart of gold. Good for him. We're always going to be poor. But he, his, his boss was essentially like, I didn't approach you to apply for it, not because I didn't think you could, but because I assumed that your career was the last thing on your mind. You know, your wife's going through cancer. And again, great boss, great person, really sweet, um, goes like above and beyond to like check in on me and, and make sure I'm okay. But like, that was the perception. That was their way of caring. And so it's Bam. a huge problem. And, and it becomes clear when you start to talk about people who are trying to hide the fact that they're going through cancer and you think, God, and I had the same feeling. I was like, God, I'm going to shout this from the rooftops. Everyone's going to know and everyone's <laughs> going to feel bad for me. But like, it turns out we're in terms of our career, mm-hmm. our upward mobility, our own sense of like, who we are, we're doing ourselves a disservice. Unless you're like me and say, hey, um, I have cancer. Does that mean I'm not getting a promotion? Because I don't think that's a good idea for you. Look, people. Mm -hmm. Becca Jean for the hair. Lauren for the career path. Actually, probably Becca Jean for the career path, too, because you're getting your MPH, for God's Mm -hmm. sake. Yes. (laughs) Amazing. Congratulations on that. Thank you. You know, thanks to cancer, I guess. That was the one silver lining. I wanted nothing to do with health at all before cancer. But then I was like, no, this is a terrible place that needs to be fixed. Mm -hmm. Um, Some awful people in the industry need to be corrected and told and educated. It's like you just listened to our last podcast. What? (laughs) Just all the things. You're not wrong. You are not yeah. wrong. I, you know, I just hate that this in this thing, I feel like when you get cancer, it means you immediately stop caring about everything else you liked or cared about before. Like right. you have cancer. That's all your world is now. And I'm like, no, that's just, you know, I'm not all about vanity or anything. But, you know, if I want to save my hair, let me, you know, don't mm-hmm. tell me. I have other things to worry about or I should spend my money on other things. Like it's it's not that person's business. I think that they should just be given the choice to have whatever freedom to make these decisions they do. Um, you know, I just, it's just frustrating. I think that especially in that cancer space, like you're dealing with a lot of heavy shit, you know, you're dealing with fertility, family, job. I mean, it goes on and on and on family issues, whatever the case is, your own treatment for God's sakes, it makes you feel terrible. And you're not wanting to listen to all these like negative Nancy's telling you that what you're doing or what you want to do is like a dumb decision or you're being so, you know, just full of yourself. You know, I just think that that is the worst. Yeah. 
It no, is. I agree. I agree. We are not prepared yeah. for this. There's no class in nursing school that we went through talking about preserving the dignity of people going through a trauma. Right. Or if there was, I missed it. But you were absent that day. <laughs> absent that day. <laughs> and like, I'm not a great person, but I'm not an awful person. And I still had this awful. That's what you're fighting against. That's what we're fighting against. It's not awful people trying. It's 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 nice people mm-hmm. saying awful things to you. Yeah. Yeah. And being like, why are you worried about your hair? You should just be no. glad to be alive. Yeah. Oh, gosh. It'll just, just grow back. It'll, It'll just, just grow back. back. No big yeah. deal. It we don't have really. to talk about job lock and financial toxicity and the fact that bankruptcy is associated with a higher risk of mortality. Oh <laughs> Why God. get into all that when we can just use platitudes and, you know? Yeah. It's yeah, too bad there's not cold capping for your eyebrows. <laughs> <laughs> I'm still thinking about what if you like, okay, okay, hear me out. So you get, you put the, the, the tampons on your head. No, the, the, pa- the panty liners on your head. <laughs> then you get a band that just That's goes across your show. forehead. That's a that different show. That is another show. show. <laughs> so fun. Okay. So you, you'll get like a, a thing across your head that's shaped like this, right? Just exposing your eyebrows. And then you pull, they'll pull the cap down across your eyebrows. I mean, I think that's a million dollar idea there. I mean, I that yeah, that was hard too. I have to admit though, I ran to get microblading done before chemo. I mean, again, broken the rule, but I was like, I did too. yes, like no, I mean, I be- could not be she trusted. Did it before. Not before. Not she did before. Oh. Well, you're so smart, Becca. Gosh, you're so yeah, smart. You're Doing very it right smart. Before. You're very- I, well, you know, and I was creeping on this girl forever on Instagram. Cause you know, <laughs> you need to like watch their work over time. Cause they could have a yes. really amazing client one day. And then you're like, Oh gosh, what does she do? So like yes. for a year I would, I was like, you know, I want to get it, but I didn't have a reason. And then I was like, Oh, I'm going to lose my eyebrows in like a week. So let's go get <laughs> microblading. So and smart. I got it. Um, because I knew like, I'm not going to draw the, like one's going to be up on the top of my forehead and one's going to be like on my eyelids. So I need microblading. I always call that. I've got one Gucci eyebrow and one Walmart eyebrow. One Gucci, one Walmart. (laughs) I love it. As far as resources, you linked a book in here. It's a book called Pretty Sick by Caitlin Kaiman. Kiernan, yes. Kate Kiernan. 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 I can read. I learned to read. I read I read much books. Don't worry about me. Um, <laughs> Pretty Sick by Caitlin Kiernan. Um, and it's really, it sounds like it's really a book about cancer and beauty. How would you describe it? Yeah. I mean, she's pretty amazing. And again, another, <laughs> I love to creep and slide onto DMs uh, on people, but I, I never too. Well, literally, well. did I not just do that to you to get you yeah. to be here today? Very true. I mean, <laughs> magic happens when you slide into the DMs, right? It really does. Um, She is great. I don't even remember. I think even Googling my, um, you know, cold capping, it happened to mm-hmm. pop up. And mm-hmm. so the book, it's, I, it's a great book, but it doesn't touch on it like a whole lot. I think she did it. I'm pretty sure she did. But she is like um, 
a beauty journalist. She's done, you know, work for Harper's Bazaar, um, E! News, all that, you know. So she's uh, she comes very well, you know, uh, informed in the beauty industry. But she wrote this book on all things beauty and cancer, like skin, how to do all these things. And um, I bought the book just for the cold capping, which I learned a little bit. But I loved it because she framed it to, again, the beauty shaming. Like, hey, you can still care about beauty when you're sick. Yeah. Um, I actually want to share a quote that she has in the book. Um, she says, the fact of the matter is beauty treatments are an adjunct therapy to chemo or cancer treatments. If you look good, you feel better. Even when I was feeling like shit, if I resemble the hint of my normal self, it helped me get out of bed and power through the day. They say there's more important things in life than beauty and fashion. Yeah. But um, I'm here to tell you that they're just as important, if not more so, when you're sick. And why should anyone have to choose between their health or their beauty? They shouldn't. They don't have to. And the two are not mutually exclusive. And this is literally the line Mm -hmm. in the book that sold me because I was just like, thank you. You mm-hmm. get it. You're not trying to say like, oh, you're this little diva that has cancer and you're screaming at everybody because you want to keep your hair and your boobs and your lashes and all the things like. Right. It's just you want to feel good that day. You want to look good that day, whatever. But yeah. she's awesome. But to get into the point of sliding to her DMs, I had to just be all like, you know, you're emotional when you have cancer. And I was like, I just want to tell you your book changed my life kind of thing. Like, I love you. Thank you. <laughs> and she wrote back to me. What? Wow. She's a total badass. She, you know, had breast cancer herself and she's such a sweet woman. And I'm like, I love that you, I mean, she's verified, you know? So I'm like, she's never going <laughs> to respond to me. Yes. <laughs> um, But she did. And she's a great person. So I love that book because it's, you know, skin, hair, nails. You know, I had my nails fall off. That thing oh, happened. Yes. Ugh. Oh God! Um, she touched on that. Um, brows would have been great to have. I wish cold capping. You know, I feel like it should be invented. We could come up with it. We'll come with the attachment for the brows. Oh, right. More women in healthcare. We would have these things. <sighs> we would. Yes. We would have these ca- things. Mm-hmm. We would have cold capping covered by insurance. Yes. Instead of having to wait for it. Yeah. I mean, breast reconstruction wasn't even covered by insurance till the mid nineties. That blows my mind. It's insane. And now you get a postcard saying, hey. Hey, we cover this. uh, We need a touch up. Uh Huh? Huh? You want to come in for an oil change? 50% off. Merry Christmas. (laughs) Oh, my God. You're dissatisfied with the height of this one compared to the height of that one? Let's even them out. Let's even, let's like uh, do a little spackle on there. Yeah. Yeah. I think the only thing I haven't said is that all the hair loss was pretty devastating. The only hair loss that wasn't devastating to me was pubic hair. Yeah. <sighs> never gone. Like, never gone. Hurt. Like, yeah, never done that down there. And I was just like, I get it. I get it now. <laughs> I totally get it. In conclusion, hair is a big deal. Big deal. Hair is everything. And keeping your hair. And also taking cancer very seriously are not mutually exclusive. Cold capping is a thing and you should look into it. Being bald is a thing too. Good for you. Be bald. I was bald. It was fine. And now I'm not. So Becca Jean, where can they find you and where can they find a community of cold cappers? My Instagram is at Becca Jean, two underscores. 
And I also have the link to my um, peer-to-peer network called Chemotherapy Cold Cappers. Awesome. And that's on Facebook. And it is, I think we're at 2,300 members worldwide. So all over. Yeah. You get that's 24-7 support anywhere you are because, you know, Facebook is always open. So um, you get to connect So you get to connect with other badass women who are saving their hair or choose not to, whatever they decide, and you get to learn about it, what it is, what to do, what not to do, how to do it, who to do it with, all the Mm -hmm. things. So Awesome. I love it. It's out there. It's we're gonna see it more and more. And the more that we talk about it and the more that we normalize it, the better it sounds like to me. I agree. And then next is cold capping for eyebrows. Yeah. We're going to invent it. And maybe lashes. We can figure this out. Like, oh, God, I feel like (laughs) lashes were were so far away from that. But I feel like we're close with the brows. Okay. So close. All right. Yeah. What would even lashes be? Oh, like those (laughs) eye masks? Those like ones you keep in the freezer? Mm -hmm. I know. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. Mm, okay. I mean, Please don't try this, this at home. This is not science. We're just speculating here. <laughs> that's what Maybe this we'll move. just throw the panty liner yeah. on the forehead. On and the then, forehead. Yeah. <laughs> then make Look the cap down over your cap. face. Mm-hmm. Excellent. <laughs> Excellent. So amazing. Becca Jean, thank you so much for joining us. Everyone, thank you so much for listening. All you tens of tens of tens of listeners <laughs> for our show. <laughs> Follow us on Instagram. We're at Breast Cancer is Boring. Follow Becca Jean. Keep your hair. Lose your hair. Do what you like. It's your choice. Yeah, that's it. Okay, good night. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you.